This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 141. Let's roll. And, uh, you know, I've got a Dynasty guy on this week. You know, absolutely, you know, we we lean into the game theory of, of Dynasty you know, as, as often as we can on this show, I mean, often it's a football show, it's a ranking show, it's a, you know, talk shit show. But this week, I got none other than the analytics of Dynasty creator, founder, owner, proprietor, all of that, Mr. Jordan McNamara. Jordan McNamara can be found on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty. We have had some epic shows in the past where we lock horns and have fun. And the best part about it is we come out uh, friends on the other side. I absolutely love it. So let's see if we can create some fireworks back and forth. Mr. Jordan McNamara, welcome to the program yet again, sir. I don't think it's going to be that much fireworks. I don't think and so honestly, either. I always come out smarter usually. Yeah, me too. Um, so I, I don't know if there's fireworks today. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, maybe we can make it happen. But I think all the fireworks in the world were shot off in my neighborhood the other night. So I don't think there's any more left to be fired. Man, so. oh man. We, well, we didn't even mean to have fireworks. We just get into it. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, right. we, we, we find a way to challenge each other. Um, you know, we're, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun having you on the show. So I, I look forward to it. And, you know, there was a, there was a, a tweet that had happened and you had asked to talk about it. So we'll just talk about it up on the front. It was a, there was a trade post someone put on Twitter and it was dynasty pick a side. And it was Devonte Smith in a 2025 second for Chris Godwin in a 2025 first. And I thought it was an interesting, you know, um, trade poll, you know, is Devonte and Godwin, the Devonte side, you know, gets a second, the Godwin side gets the 25 first. And, you know, the first question I have, of course, you know, when I see that trade is I've got a lot of thoughts, and I made a comment, I quote tweeted it, and um, it, and it got you thinking, and you said, dude, let's talk about this. So, you know, before I get too far into my thoughts, what made you want to sort of talk about it? Because I thought it was kind of fun, too. So the 2025 aspect of it's certainly interesting. Right. Right. You don't, and, and I treat those picks as good as your team might be right now. I don't think we can say unless, well... Let's just as a general rule, 2025 is unpredictable as we sit yes. here right now about where your dynasty team is going to be. There's a couple of caveats to that, right? If you're an Allen Mahomes team, right, there's a good chance your floor is pretty high, right? right. But, but generally speaking, I believe that we should treat those picks 
in 2024 is random. Uh, as we get into the season and see it unfold a little bit more, we'll see it as as less random. Those 2025 picks are completely random. Yeah, generally so, speaking, yes. I yes, outside of an exceptional circumstance, and and this isn't like one of those things where everyone thinks their kid is exceptional. Like right. it's truly an exceptional <laughs> circumstance that right. that those picks aren't random. In my in my that's how I play. Yeah, uh, and I want to guard against giving away what could be a, a high end pick. Right? right, and and that um, the other thing that. I, I think someone asked me this the other day. He goes, I want to understand why you don't uh, value wide receivers that high in dynasty. And I said, because I like winning money. Uh, and this is a classic one of that to me. Um, I like Devonta Smith. I actually like him more than when he came out. Uh, I think his profile is really good. That said, Devonta Smith is a bit like, there's a, there's a group of wide receivers from like three to, I don't know, 18, something like that, that after Chase and Jefferson, you could put him in a lot of different orders and I wouldn't really quibble I, with. I right? You could have, you could have, yeah, you could have three through 10 ordered randomly. Yeah, and you I could put Olave third and we'd be like, all right, fine, whatever. What do you want? I, right. Sure. Correct. Yeah. I yes. Agree. Yeah. You could do, you could do any. And, um, but I think that that, what that tells us is that you shouldn't, like that's not a range where you should be particularly sticky. You shouldn't really be uh, being super aggressive in that range, but you should just kind of let fall what falls to you. And the problem I have with this is I don't think Devonta Smith is like a huge, right? This is basically forcing Devonta Smith to be like a win better than Chris Godwin over the next couple of years. And that really is hard to do at wide receiver. So I, I don't like doing that with the pick. I got what you were saying, yeah. Um, but this sort of violates my rule of like, you don't trade a future first unless you're getting a top 30 asset. Yeah. I kind and of agree with that a, too. And at a premium position. Yeah. Like I kind of agree with that really too. The, 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 the future first oftentimes is very, very valuable to utilize to get you something, right? Whereas now if I move to a 25 second, it's less valuable. And I'll tell you which side of this deal I have right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I will say that I do often, when I know my pick, and, and I said it in the tweet, I basically said this is a classic move to make if your team is dope. Classic move to make if your team is dope. So the first sentence is, no, no, if your team is dope. If if not, disregard the rest of the fucking tweet. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that's a very important caveat because, you know, I don't know what, you know, in, in random, I still think I lean the Devante side, but it's way closer if it's totally random. But I said, this is a classic move to make if your team is dope. I have a couple of dope teams. We all do. Now you're right that people often will be like, dude, my team is dope. And it's not, it's a good team. You know what I mean? So there's a difference between a good team that could win and a team that's like fucking really, really good. And almost like is, you know, just really, really solid and should be for the next two years. And even after that, I said, 2025 makes that a bit more uncertain. Again, yeah. absolutely agree that, you know, the 2025 situation makes, I don't know what will happen in 23 and 24 to yield that 25 pick to still be that good. 
But in the in the in the sense that I do know, so to speak, and know is a a, a, a relative term, but generally know that my team is going to be a playoff team, and the team I might be trading with might not, or at least is you know has a potential to be a bottom six team. Then what I what I'm doing, and I do this all the time, is when I'm making trades, I'll I'll offer my first for their second, making them think that they have like, oh shit, dude, I just got a first. But really, all we did was move five picks. You know, I moved from right. the from the tenth right. to the fifteenth. You know what I mean? Right. And, right. and that is not a, a, a lot. Like if you're on the right. clock with the tenth pick and you say, "Hey, give me all the shit I just asked you to give me for the fifteenth, they're gonna go fuck that. But when it's a future first and second, they go, they just see the first, they click the button, and it's a good way to reap value. And I'll, I'll do one more. So I agree with you that that Devontae Smith may not score a lot more points than Chris Godwin. But here's the thing. Holding Chris Godwin is a little bit of that time bomb where at some point, and, and it could be four years, okay? It could be. He's 28, I think. twenty. I think he's 28, 27, 28. He's going to turn 28. Um. You know, look, that's not that's at the backside. Now, Devontae's not young either. I think he's 24, but still getting three to four years younger at the position is value too. Even if Devontae is exactly Chris Godwin, like, you know, the same. I think he actually has a higher ceiling, in my opinion. But to your point that if they're quote unquote the same or not that much of a difference, I still will take, you know, three or four years younger for the swap of a first and a second, especially again caveat if my team is good so anyway that's my thought yeah that's that's uh, i think it's really good there um devon smith will be 25 in uh november mid-november yep. and uh chris godwin turned 27 i think february so it's only so yeah, so yeah close so, so a couple years yeah yep. um one of the things i think is like the rich team aspect of this like i assume this was super flex it wasn't in the tweet which i think you could maybe quibble with, yes, uh, you know, whether or not it's a different move in Superflex. I agree um, with that too. That's a good point. I assumed it was Superflex just because that's just kind of where my mind went. Yeah, me too. My future first, if I'm not elite at quarterback, and when I mean elite at quarterback, I want like two top six guys, right? If I'm not there, I spend all of my time trying to get there, and if I'm if I don't get there, I don't spend any of my liquid assets uh, before I get there. Right. So, so I, you know, like I was in a spot with uh, where I had a team that was very good kind of across the board with the exception of, I lacked, you know, a superstar quarterback, actually like two superstar quarterbacks, but I was, um, you know, so it took me kind of a while, right. I actually took a swing at Deshaun Watson at one point. And then I, uh, you know, spent, I spent 18 months hunting out an elite quarterback. And I said, at some point, one of them is going to become available. I just got to figure out what the right package is when it happens. And I prepared, right? I, I yes. traded for future picks, right? I drafted, I, I traded up in a rookie draft to take Kenneth Walker. Cause I was like, he could be a guy that, you know, could see himself in there more so than trying to hit a wide receiver at like, I was at like one Oh eight or something like that. Like I tried to really, like I spent, I plotted it like it was like some sort of like, uh, you know, war heist on getting a quarterback. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, I, that's how I spend my time. And so this is the problem I have with this deal. I get the youth, I get all that, but it's expensive because of what it, it's nice to have young productive wide receivers, (laughs) but they're really expensive versus the 
win advantage that they give you. That's right? true and too. Yeah. If that if that production window is two or three years off in the offing, that's a lot to pay right now for that. Yeah. You know, so that's the that's kind of the balance that I have and and uh, totally true too. I, I like yeah. this point of yeah. like especially if they're two random teams, like two sort of whatever teams, then I'm not yeah, I'm not I'm not trading my first. I mean, there's a general rule that I have, it sounds like you kind of keep it too, is that I'm pretty much not trading my future first. You know, mm-hmm. I used to do this and then you know, I heard a lot of people be like, you know, you can't, you, you know, you can't play your picks in your, you know, in your flex spot. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's true. What if I leverage sometimes my picks to kind of get better and push in for, you know, go all in, so to speak, for a championship? And what I've found is it makes my team completely fragile and unsustainable should it not win the fucking chip, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I find myself chasing and losing and rebuilding. And I've done that on a couple of teams and it's just ugly. So now I'm just sort of of the opinion that I'd rather just hang on to them and almost it's, it's, it's like the productive struggle term. It's like, it just makes, makes it harder for me to win, but yet it actually makes it easier for me to win. I don't know if that makes any sense. In other words, I don't want to use the first round picks as a crutch to make my squad better in the short term when really it mostly hurts you in the long term. Yeah. And, and I think like it's a balance. And one of the ways that I always look at it is if, and I think where people get in trouble, I was actually looking at one of these deals actually just yesterday uh, for a podcast I was doing where someone traded their first and it was like the first, and it was like another asset that was like the worst asset in the deal, but it was for Kirk cousins. And I think it was Amari Cooper. Mm. And I said, like, that's actually like, if you were to look at it from a production perspective, you're getting better at two positions, all of those things. Like that's, that's actually an upgrade. And then I kind of put the brakes on myself and I was like, well, why didn't you, like, can you do better than that? Right. Right. Like, and, and I can make that deal. Like it's July 6th and every, the first of every month I have a tweet that goes out that says, you don't have a need in your dynasty lineup in next month. It'll be August, but it's been literally every month this off season, 1230 and the first of the month it goes off. And so I have it set and pre-planned. You got to be careful about sort of making those types of trades right now. And I just, I find you get yourself in trouble. So if you're going to go up and trade a future first, it's like, I didn't expect Kyle Pitts, for example, and he's on our show sheet. So this is, this is good. This is, this is, this is the segue. Um, Oh, you're the host, but yeah, no, no, but, uh, (laughs) um, but Kyle Pitts is a really good example of this. I didn't expect in February to be in a spot where I was going to be making multiple trades for Kyle Pitts because he was going to be depressed in price. Right. I didn't, I didn't think that that was where the world was going to bring us, but now we're here and I've made multiple deals for Kyle Pitts because I think he's depressed in price. Right. And if I trade the first then, right. If I traded the first to, to sort of do that, Kirk cousins, Amari Cooper, Ooh, I'm bumping up two lineup spots. What I've really given up, up is the flexibility to when that Kyle Pitts situation that I don't anticipate presents itself, I can't be available to it. You know, what happens if, uh, you know, God forbid a quarterback like Herbert or a quarterback like uh, somebody else goes down and you want to sort of make an offer for them, right? Like, how do you get an elite quarterback? Well, you usually have to buy them low. So if someone comes in and is hurt or anything like that, like having that future first, having that pick, right? Having the pick there to buy low on somebody uh, is, is, very useful as a beginning asset. And so I hate tying them up unless I'm getting an asset that I feel like I'm really, it's a top 30, a top 25 type player in the front. Right. Yeah. I, th- 
I think that's right. And like um, the buying low on on the elite quarterbacks. I mean, it was Lamar Jackson. Now it's Kyler Murray. Um, yep. And, you know, Kyler's a little bit more fragile to me. I just, you know, Chalk and I talked at, at length about Kyler, but you're absolutely right. You you want to have the the ammo to get yourself, you know, elite players, not just good players with your picks, you know. And I've seen it, I'm sure you have a million times where people will push in for something and you're like, God, they just spent all that, but they're not that much better, you know. Yeah, yeah. H- happens happens a lot. And I just, I, I always want to be sort of aiming for elite type players and elite type outcomes. And I think too often people use those picks and non-elite assets. And I just think, you know, and I, I jokingly say like, if you have three, if you have three top 30 assets, you're a playoff team. If you have four, you're a buy team. Right. Most, most of the time. And, and that's independent of what the rest of your roster usually looks like. Like, It's, and 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 so if you can just keep pouring assets into those, right. I think we worry too much about how good our, are you know fifth through eight starters are right we worry too much about that when you should be worrying about the top of your roster yeah absolutely and it, and it does depend upon lineup you know i'm in a yep. 14 team start 12 league right well you do need to worry about your five through eight because that is your top <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> right it's like it is it's different you know but you know if you're playing in a 12 team start 10 you're right like, don't worry about as much you know you need to really have some elite stuff because you know, there, there'll be some average players on everybody's team. I mean, sometimes you can build a complete, you know, you know, juggernaut where it's like, dude, have you seen my fucking Ross? You know what I mean? Right, We've all right. been there. You know, every league has it. You know, you've been like, dude, have you seen this? And you know what's what's crazy about that is like when I see a, a roster like that, I'm up against it. I'm not going to try and beat him this year. I'm not going to try and, you know, if he's if he's, you know, a hundred out of a hundred, you know, that, that 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 type of team and I'm a 72, I'm not going to like spend everything just to try and get to 84 and lose. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit there at that 72 and like wait for him to, you know, fall back to the crowd, you know, get gain assets and then use them to, to strike when I actually have a chance. Maybe it's this year, but it probably isn't based on how good that roster is. He's going to need to have some attrition. And so these these things that like that, that will like look at a roster and be like, am I competing this year? You know, people put that out. And you're like, yeah, dude, your team is good or whatever. It's like, I don't know. It's like I just need so much more information. And it's a it's a chessboard. You know, you really want to see where everybody's at and, what you know, what's motivating everybody. Like I'm in a, I'm in a league right now. This guy inherited the the champ. You know, he inherited the, the 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 returning champ, and he's like pushing all in. He's just like, I'm fucking winning it two in a row. He hasn't even won one in a row, but still, like <laughs> his goal is to win this fucking. You know what I mean? Like win at all costs. And so, like, right. you know, watching that, you know, the types of trades you can make with that that manager too. You know, you can sell him stuff for picks because picks are not his jam right now. Like. He's he's throwing them around like, you know, 20s at a strip club. He's he's in, you know, so it's understanding all those, you know, maneuvers in a league that 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 sort of yield you the best chance of winning, whether it be today or tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny, too, because like when you have a a team in your league that's elite, you go back and you look at last year's teams, right? The teams that had Jalen Hurts, right? Didn't end up winning championships. A lot of one seeds didn't end up winning championships. It's the true. teams that had Derrick Henry, that had Jonathan Taylor, right? And what actually happened, a lot of them, uh, the the one and the two seeds ended up per- underperforming what you would expect because guys like 
George Kittle and Mike Evans who were on contending teams that probably didn't weren't by teams because they had underwhelming performances throughout the season. They went nuts in the in the playoffs in one so i always think like getting in I like it's last year is a good example of how unpredictable it was right if you get in as a a four five six seed something like that in a 12 team you know six playoff spot uh league yes. format i think there's real value in that yeah, i, I just think like you throw a lot of uh, you just you just throw a lot of um and that's why like at, at this time of year i think all my teams should be in it right yeah that's not i know i know that that's not i'm not going to win 100 of championships i know no, i'm probably right. not going to win 20 percent of championships but I, I want to sort of throw as many uh you know darts at the dartboard as i can and then kind of see what happens again we, we don't know like, you know jordan we, it's so amazing yeah. that you say this because when I go way back, like way back to redraft, you know, like um, I, I would in, uh, have a new person, you know, play fantasy football and they'd be like, dude, what do I do? And I'd always be like, one of my bits of advice was hell or high water, spend all your fab, make whatever trade you think you need to make, do everything in your power, this is for redraft, do everything <laughs> in your power just to make the playoffs. Yes. Like whatever you got to do, like drop your defense, like don't worry about anything but making the playoffs and then you got a chance, you know, don't think, well, I got to hold on to this defense because of my bye week. Like, no, no, no. Just do everything you can do to make the playoffs eight and eight, seven and seven, whatever the fuck, you know? And then I I had mentioned something like that and it wasn't that strong for dynasty because I don't think of it that strongly for dynasty, of course, because you could be in rebuild mode, but I mentioned that sentiment and I was talking to Mike Lou and I, I think Mike's great. And he was like, not me, man. If I'm in the middle, I'm fucking going the other way. Boom, boom. And, and, and it shaped my, my thought process. And I was like, maybe that's the way to go. But I've been thinking about it. I totally agree with you. If you're a middling team, you can hang it together. And now if you're a bad team, that's different. But if you're a middling team, if you can just kind of sneak in there, you never know. Because you're right. Mike Evans, George, you know, there's always, it's true. Like all the teams that were one seeds, very few of them won last year. It's so, so true. My worst playoff team won a ship last year. My worst one, I was like, dude, that's not winning. It won. So yes, that's possible. And I think it's worth the shot because the difference between pick, you know, whatever the hell, uh, you know, five, six versus seven, eight in a, in a, in a, in a rookie draft is not that big a difference. Um, so yeah, I think that's right. And I, I love that advice and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm back on that advice if there's, if that matters. <laughs> no, and I, I, cause I actually looked and I was curious and I, I pulled about 25 leagues and the, the one and two seats did underperform yeah. right? and you would expect, I think people expect one and two seats to win a ton of the championships yeah. historically they win about 55 or so percent of mm. the time right it isn't it's those those games for them in weeks 16 and 17 right the final two weeks of the season they're still pretty close to coin flips which right. i think would surprise a lot of people yeah um and and last year right that that was true as well and they underperformed i think they won about 40 or so yes about 40 or 45 uh, percent of those of those leagues or of those championships so i just I, like get in and the other thing too is like just to kind of wrap in the picks yeah you can always get like the cheapest thing to ever do in dynasty is to get a is to get a receiver that can play right yeah. because the teams that are going to bail on the season the teams that are going to uh you know that want to rebuild right the first place they're going to go is 
as receivers or older players that are productive, right? And those older wide receivers can be very productive, even though they're 29, 30, 31, 32 yes. years old, right? Yeah. Mike Evans so, right now. Yeah. Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, right? Like just yep. it's it's the same. Amari Cooper. You, know, Amari you can, Cooper, you can right. trade a second for Amari Cooper almost anywhere. You can't you can't sell him for a first. Like No. You know we call that stuck in the muck. Yep. He's yep. stuck in the muck of like, yep. can you? It's sometimes it's hard to trade a second for someone, but, but he's very, very likely to score, uh, be a wide receiver two or better this year, like be a top oh, 24 yeah. wide receiver. Very, very likely. I mean, it's possible it, he's not, but he's very likely to be a, a, and he could be a wide receiver one. So you're talking about real production over at least one year and maybe two or three years still to come. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I, I, I always go back to like, you can, you can really do that, I think. And, you know, so I think paying those picks and and trying to do it in the off season, right? When, and uh, like I would challenge the listeners to this to actually go through. And I have a tracker that just just tell me how many how many players in the top thirty of of uh, ADP or the top thirty evaluation I have on a given team. And the yeah. teams that have three of them, like they all went to the playoffs last year, right. and that's independent of what was on. You know what? How many of of players thirty one through one hundred and right twenty there were right? right. Like it didn't ma- that didn't matter. Um, and because the difference that the difference between like the elite guys drag you so much further, and then once you sort of get down into that further range, right? You get down into the you know the difference between fifty and the one in fifty is enormous. The difference between fifty one and a hundred isn't isn't that big, you know? So, um, I I just think kind of aiming towards the top and you get three or four of those guys that can really carry you. You'd be surprised even if you don't necessarily feel good about it going into the season. Yeah. It's crazy too, because like I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking about one of my, you know, longstanding strategies and it's not going to work for me anymore because I either play with other really sharp people in, um, like, you know, industry leagues where people fucking see this shit coming a mile away, or I play with, you know, other people who are listening right now. <laughs> so then they, they hear me say it and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to let them do that to me, but it's pretty much true. Um, but the, the idea is like packaging things up. Me and Chuck talked about this last week too. Like we were talking about how we couldn't get off Cortland Sutton to save our lives. And a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll put him in with other things that seem expensive. You know, they're like, Oh, Sutton. Yeah, he's good. And like the, th- it just sort of gets added to the till on my side. And then I'll look for an elite thing on the other side. Like, you know, Cortland Sutton, a first Amari Cooper, Ken Walker. And I want Jamar chase. You're like, dude, that's a lot of stuff right there. Let me, let me do that deal. You know? And you're like, fucking idiot, you know, like, but you just sort of <laughs> stack things. Oh, I put a second and a third and two thirds next year. But holy smoke, look at this package I'm getting, you know, and, it, and the value is it's, you know, I'm giving you, you know, seven $20 bills for a hundred dollar bill. And you're like, this seems very good deal. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. You want to be able to get the, the, the top end players because once you sell all the other things, you, you can easily replace the Cortland Sutton with Zay Jones. You know what I mean? It's like, whatever. Yes. Yeah. Isaiah Hodges, whoever that person is. <laughs> right. right? Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally, that's totally true. They're <laughs> like, very, it's, it's, it's so flat in those yeah. ranges out that, it, I, and honestly, like I probably to a fault don't spend enough time. Like I don't spend time there, right? I think that those from a what content creator side, from a team building side, from an analysis side, like it, the difference between tight end 
10 and 15 and people were all up in arms about Cole Komet last year being this big, Oh, he's going to be a top 12 guy. I'm like, who cares? Yeah, Right. Like if you're not a top three guy, I don't care if the difference is if you're four or 14, right. Yeah. Just pick up Tyler Higby. It's the same difference or whoever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. And I think like when you kind of look at, when you look at it that way, it actually relieves a lot of pressure and you just sort of focus on what, what matters, which is the elite guys. Well, we certainly talk about that here on this show about tight ends Mm -hmm. because tight ends are, specifically that way and we'll we'll do the Kyle Pitts thing what did we you know the question on the show sheet was what can we learn from the Kyle Pitts experience but <clears throat> that's a little bit of a different question that we're talking about but what I've always talked about is like taking shots at tight end like right now everybody's high on Chig and they should be now that's not to say that Chig is a sure thing it's to say that Chig has built-in upside for various reasons. One would be as athleticism. Two would be projected target share. If you give an athletic tight end copious targets, then they have upside. And that's really it. It's like, you know, I think uh, Andrew Cooper was on. Of course, he's the, you know, self-acclaimed and other people acclaimed tight end guy, you know. But he was talking about how, like, you know, all of the tight end ones over the period of time either had such and such touchdowns, which were just like Robert Tunyon was the only one, or 100 targets. And it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> give, give me 100 targets. And then also your athletic, George Kittle when he broke out, Darren Waller when he broke out, Albert Akuigbunam when he didn't break out. You know, But if Albert O would have gotten 100 targets, he didn't earn them and something happened. But that's why we were betting on him. Not because we don't want the, honestly, the Cole Komet targets because it's like, yeah, good for you. But you want those high upside dulcitches like that right now. These guys might end up being Tyler Higby, but they have that upside. And that's why you're betting on them. You're not betting on them to end up at tight end, as you say, tight end 11. That's irrelevant. But if all of a sudden Chig is closer to Kittle than he is to you know the, the tight end dead zone, now, you're, now you've got something. Now you've got weekly upside and seasonal upside, and that's what you're aiming for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And uh, like – we could do the thing about we could talk about about pits as well, but like just yes, take the swing at tight end, yes. right? Like because the floor, like if you don't have a top three to five guy, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? It really the the it's the difference is super small. Uh, I just actually wrote something about it this week. It's it, for football guys in my in my article about uh, about tight ends, yeah. and like you look at the difference between quarterbacks or you look at the difference between tight ends and about just how dominant Kelsey was right and about how like he was Kelsey was six points better than tight end three that's the same difference from tight end three to tight end 25 bingo that's exactly right right. I I said that the other day that he lapped the field like the difference between Kelsey and another elite tight end was the difference between an elite tight end and the 25th tight end. That's exactly right. And correct. a tight end three. Yes. Right. Like that's just, so if you're not going to take a big swing at tight end, like, what do you like? Don't protect your floor unless it's a premium format. Like I play in a lot of two PPRs or I play in some two tight ends. That's a different story. Right? A little you're different story different, for sure. Different you aspects. Protect right? A little bit of floor there. You got to right, right. kind of hold a few tight ends that you're like, I don't even like this guy, but I got, yeah, he needs to be on the roster. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Where a guy like, you know, maybe David Joker doesn't have tight end one ceiling, right? The fact that he's going to be a top eight guy or some, you feel kind of comfortable in that range. That's valuable in a, it where you're two starting tight two tight ends. Especially right? if there's or a where, premium with two tight end even more yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or you have two tight ends 
it's or you have a format where it's a two PPR for tight end, and all of a sudden that that tight end is actually performing like a top twenty wide receiver. Right? Exactly. Like that's a different. Those are those are different things. But you know, generally, like tight end is just a you either have an upside guy or you have a guy that's not making any difference versus the field. Yeah, yeah. And I did that in a in a startup with you know. I think sometimes if you're in a startup, especially if it's a league that's never played tight end premium before. You know, like if you start a league with people who this is their first tight end premium, they're not going to draft the tight ends appropriately. They're going to undervalue them because it's really hard to like draft, you know, the tight end 15 over like a quote unquote good wide receiver. I don't I'm not going to put a name to it, but just someone in the sort of middle middling uh, wide receiver, you know, wide receiver three, four type. But you absolutely should. So, you know, I play it always like I just take swings. And, and one league I did, I you know, I got Joku and just even Hunter Henry I draft. You know, it was like all these guys because they were outscoring like these kind of like eh, pretty good receiver on a weekly basis. So that's obviously a different strategy. I think what we learned from the, the Kyle Pitts experience was that um, I think – I think the biggest thing I learned, and you can tell me what you think about this. I don't know if you have something similar or different when I ask the question, but is like the dynasty community, um, you know, rookie evaluators don't know how to evaluate tight ends properly. And I think they more eva- they, they evaluate them more like wide receivers. In other words, early production, athleticism, draft capital. And they, they sort of look at those things and think this is a can't miss uh, prospect and I would just say yeah he's a can't miss prospect but he's not necessarily a can't miss producer because there's so much that happens at the tight end position that 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 can preclude p- uh, production that's outside of the prospects control in some ways a la you know Kyle Pitts he, he proved it you know he was he's a, still a great player but he wasn't scoring touchdowns and and he's not fucking Travis Kelsey just because he his production profile and still he's a good player uh, shows that he's Travis Kelsey or something like that. It actually doesn't show that. It just shows that he's really athletic and really good. But how he's going to perform is a whole nother cryptic uh, sort of thing that is much harder to to figure out. And oftentimes doesn't happen. It still hasn't happened in two years in, in, until three or four years down the line. So for all those reasons, people misappropriated Kyle Pitts as the 1.01 in that rookie draft. When I had him more like backside of round one I had him after you know I think I had him like 11th or 12th like you know and and even that was probably too high because you'd rather have Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle over him now too so I think it was he was definitely a, a turn pick in that rookie draft I got very few of them I only picked them in a couple spots like super tight end premium and even then I'm not that stoked the only the only thing that made me happy was I was able to trade him and I think I got uh, he, he was included in the Patrick Mahomes trade I made and that's probably even his best value is his trade value. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're if you're disappointed by his start, yeah. you had unreasonable expectations. Exactly. Right. You look at the best, like the best three or four year start of a career. I was actually just looking at this, and and I did this with um actually recently with with a tweet with uh, Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. And uh, and I was. Just basically, like if Kincaid does, kind of what's your thoughts? I said in the next, um, you know, if he produces similar to Evan Ingram, how do you feel? Versus if if he produced uh, what Evan Ingram's actual production was, 
how would you feel? Right. And everyone was super excited about Evan Ingram's production. But when you attached Evan Ingram's name to it, you were, uh, you know, more people were felt 56% of people felt disappointed. Right. The reason I say that is Evan Ingram's like the best. Uh, it was the, the time frame that I used was over the next uh, first three years of his career. The first three years of his career, Evan Ingram's the best guy in the last 15 years. Mm. Right, his his stats on a per game basis are the best tight end through three years. Again, Pitts can beat that, but I think by and large, no one's super excited about Evan Ingram. So when you put those sorts of expectations on 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 tight ends, right? Evan Ingram is a very good outcome, right? When you put expectations that are 30, 40% higher than what Evan Ingram produced to start his career, you are going to be let down because it's a very difficult position to A, produce at an elite level and B, get the amount of volume that you need. Now, I will say that Kyle Pitts has produced at an elite level through two years. And this is the, this is part of the problem. This is actually why I think he's a discount right now, right? Because people that, can't, he came in. He's a can't miss prospect. I think you put it really good. He's a can't miss prospect, but he's not a can't miss producer, right? right. Because right. there's other things, especially at the tight end position, that really dictate that, right? How much are you blocking, right? How much does your team throw the ball? How much does your team involve the tight end in their route participation, right? All of those things that you don't necessarily control, we want to coach our players, right? We want to say, oh, they should throw it to them all the time, right? Don't coach your bets, right? That's a that's an example of it with him, right? But you look and you just sort of strip away everything that's happened and just look at the just the numbers, right? Uh, he's been targeted on 22.7% of his routes, 97th percentile outcome. Right. Uh, 1.92 yards per route run in his career, 97th percentile outcome. PFF score, I know that might wrangle some people, 97th percent <laughs> career PFF score. So he's an elite player, right? Yeah. The problem is, is a couple of fold. Number one, the touchdowns haven't come. Number two, he doesn't run that many routes, right? Because A, they throw the ball a ton. He's been banged up a little bit. He wasn't fully participating even when... He thought he should be in there, right? He's run 64% of their routes. Again, he was banged up for some of those games. That's just a total uh, dropbacks they've had the last two years. So, again, that pushes up towards 75 80%. Right? If, they, if they're going to throw the ball amongst the lowest in the league, it's really tough to be in a spot. It's the same reason. like I, Between him and Drake London, I'm like, that might be the best. That might be the most dynamic one-two young punch that we have, right? maybe outside of Cincinnati, right? And, you know, I, uh, and in fantasy, uh, it hardly uh, matters. Right, yeah. right. But and that was one of those things. Like I was like, get just, just break. They should have been all in on Lamar Jackson, right? Because yeah. I was like, that's such an elite guy. Two guys on rookie deals producing like that. That's a that's amazing. But they just don't. And that's actually, I think Drake London. People don't necessarily appreciate how good he was because they didn't throw the ball that much, right? Yeah. And so what we. And I think this is true across the board, right? I've been on the George Pickens is overrated bandwagon for basically the entire summer. And in fairness, I drove the bandwagon and now I've gotten some followers. The problem that we have in dynasty and fantasy in general is, is we don't understand volume, right? Right. And and you look and say, Oh, look at Look at these stats. But the problem with that is like George Pickens, uh, you know, he's an above average second round wide receiver. It's like what the, you know, the tweets will tell you. The problem with that is, is he did it on like the third or fourth most routes at tight end or a, a second round wide receiver has run in the last like 15 years as a rookie. Right. Right. So when you actually sort of back it out and look at, you know, okay, well, how did he do per route? 
right? He actually did like among the worst on a per route basis, right? And then when you, that's the same thing with with like, why is uh, Garrett Wilson so much higher valued than than Chris Olave right now? Well, he ran like 200 more routes than him, yeah. right? That's, that's the difference. And so we have a really hard time understanding you're grasping that right the fact that the routes that they run you know as long as you're running you don't want a receiver that's running you know 50 percent of his team's routes assuming that they're running 80 90 percent of the routes yeah and the team just doesn't throw the ball that much right that that shapes how we think of a player and leaves guys like Alave and leaves guys like Pitts who have these really elite producing profiles to start their career feeling undervalued or in Pitts's case, I think a disappointment to a lot of people. Right. And I think that that's, I mean, Kyle Pitts could be awesome and be George Kittle. Right. Right. That's kind of like what, like George Kittle's awesome, right? If George Kittle got a a season with Mahomes, that he could be, he could produce the best tight end season anyone's ever produced. Right, well, he and, has that. And like in his Kyle, Kyle Pitts, I just, I just pulled it up because I was kind of curious. You know, he's he's way the hell down there in terms of fantasy points per game to start his career, and that's because of the touchdowns. He is 16th all time in yards per game at, within their first three years. Like so, top of the list is like Kellen Winslow, Mike Ditka, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, uh, the other Kellen Winslow. You know, up there twice, God bless the family. Uh, Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed, Antonio Gates, Mark Bavaro, Jeremy Shockey, a fellow by the name of Bob Tucker, then Travis Kelsey, you know, so forth. Evan Engram's there, Aaron Hernandez, pour one out, and then Kyle Pitts, you know. So that's like yards per game. He's not bad. What's crazy, I mean, I know it's only two seasons. I pulled the top three seasons. He has three touchdowns. Um, By way of comparison, Rob Gronkowski had 38 touchdowns. I was like, holy shit. But even, you know, Jimmy Graham, 25. Mike Ditka, 25. Kellen Winslow, 25. Uh, Shockey, 10 even. I mean, you know, uh, where's Andrews? Uh, Mark Andrews, 20 touchdowns in his first three seasons. You know, you're going to have to have a huge, huge year from Kyle Pitts for him to sort of turn that touchdown narrative around. And the volume narrative for Pitts right now is tough too because, you know, that offense does not project to throw much, just like you pointed out. And understanding that, you know, they bring in a pass catcher uh, of a running back in Bijan. They've got Drake London. You have to give, basically, you have to give him like 25 to 30% target share, pits that is, to really get him any place that makes him an elite tight end this year. That's hard, man. That's hard from the tight end position, especially with a guy like Drake London on the field. And even if he gets that, there's no guarantee that he gets touchdown upside. Um, it's just it, that that's it. And it's not hate the player. It's hate the ADP, hate the situation, whatever it is. I I'd still be willing to buy pits from someone who saw him like I see him. Unfortunately, the market sees him as still this like elite level tight end producer. That's how they value him, that it's going to, it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. And it might happen obviously because he's a dope player, but until we see it happen, it hasn't happened. <laughs> I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also point to like, I think he got a little bit of bad, you know, last year it's a little bit of a, a, a washout season for totally. him. Just that he totally. didn't, he didn't play and, and 
you know, in enough games really. Yeah, and that's why I gave him the sort of, yards per game rank. Because if you do it sure. any other way, it's like he's obviously not even he showing He looks terrible. Up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you even if you go back and you look, like PFF has some good data. Um, and I know PFF can be a bad word around some spaces. I don't think here's the, the, the no. place for it. Yeah, yeah. I, he, I, no, no I, I'm sort of uh, PFF agnostic. They, they do good work. People like to hate on them. They do some stuff that looks stupid online. I don't really give a shit. God bless them. They're doing a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. Whatever, who gives a shit? Yeah. So the the uh, the data that I like from them is some of the like they run a expected points algorithm, yeah. which is fantastic, and yeah. an actually an expected touchdown algorithm, which is even better. When you look at it, Kyle Pitts in his rookie season expected for five point nine touchdowns, only caught one. Right. So that's that's bad variance. Right. Right. That's bad variance. Last year, he was expected for uh, three caught two. Right. So and, and that's actually why I bought into him last year was like he had uh, last year was the year I was in because I was like there was signal. I love the touchdown variance. Like it was like, yeah. dude, he caught one touchdown. This is hiding him. He's hidden from everybody. I, so I actually bet in on him again last year in some ways, especially like, you know, best ball redraft because I was like, he's going to, he's going to, touchdown variance is going to turn around. He could have eight or nine touchdowns. And if he gets a thousand yards, that's a big, but, you know, I started to get all excited. And of course, it was a washout season, but you're right on the money, man. That touchdown variance is, 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 is and was real. I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep going. Yeah. And I just, I, that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of those things, like for for the same, I mean, the same. There's the, a ton of that. So like you can find a ton of value in just just looking at those things. Yeah. Like Deontay Johnson. Like again, reasons not to pay for a wide receiver. Deontay Johnson had I think it was 147 targets last year and didn't score a touchdown. Right, that's the most by any wide receiver by about 40 in the history of the NFL to not score a touchdown. Right. Yeah. It's just that just he had 11 targets in the actual end zone and didn't catch any of them. Like that's just horrible variance. Right. right. And that, there wasn't even that didn't even show up at prior points in his career either like that hasn't been a consistent thing so um you just look at some of these things and it's like i think if the numbers were to ever turn in the volume favor of kyle pitts he's got the top three ceiling right that's that's really the argument i think that you have to have at tight end right if the volume ever turns for them like and it needs to turn but like if the volume ever turned uh, I, that's that's a situation that can be a very high ceiling, right? We've yes. seen it. The old, I mean, Mark Andrews is a really good example of this, Great right? Example. He might be the most, he might be the best on a per route basis tight end, right? right? And if the only season that he's had close to his team's passing expectation was 1% under expectation, he finishes the tight end one, right? Right. Like, and that's, that's the only tight end in the last, in the last like 12 years, as far back as the expectation data goes on, on passing rate. That's as, that's, that's the only time a tight end has finished with a below average, uh, with his team with a below average passing expectation, but been the tight end one. Right. Right. Like, you have to, you have to be a passing centric team to get the volume necessary to be the tight end one. Just that's the Kelsey era that we're living in. Yes. Which by the way is why Kelsey is so valuable and why Mark Andrews is so exciting this year. And Mark Andrews kind of sometimes being slept on because they invested at the wide receiver position a bit, you know, with, with OBJ and um, Zay flowers. I think there are a little bit of that too, too many mouths to feed situation there, but I think their volume goes up and, I just don't think that Andrews is the guy that's going to get boxed out of targets. I think he's kind of the, 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 you know, the pillar and the other guys are going to have to fill in around him rather than any other way around. He's the wide receiver one. Yeah, exactly. Like, no one threatens him. 
right? Like uh, he's that level of like, he's a 99th percentile performer. Yeah. Right? He's like, amazing. Yes. Odell Beckham Jr. Coming off, you know, <laughs> being out, right. Rashad Bateman having yeah. a hard time staying on the field, even when he's healthy, right. Like a, a rookie, like <laughs> you just, you look at, you know, Nelson Aguilar, really? Yeah. Like how many, how many times is Mark Andrews going to roll his eyes in the locker room? Just listening to OBJ flap his lips. He'd be like, Jesus right. fucking right. Christ. Anyway, right. Uh, he could be a, he could be a nine target. Like he's, He's the he's a wide receiver in terms of usage. Yeah, at playing at the tight end position in terms of scoring, and he's right? a and hell of a red zone threat awesome. too. He's such yeah. a good he's such a good red zone player. So that's that's also huge. Um, speaking of wide receiver ones who are tight ends, Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. You know, I've been asking this question because I think there's a lot to to a lot of value to get somewhere along the line here. How are you playing the Kansas City wide receivers? I feel like. Something's got to happen because here's, you know, here's the thing that you and I agree on. Patrick Mahomes is God. He's quarterback one tier of his own. Absolutely the best quarterback I've ever seen play football in my life. Unbelievable. That passing offense can't be stopped. You can take Tyreek Hill out. You can do whatever the hell you want. Patrick Mahomes is going to figure it out. Well, that means that there's going to be some, uh, you know, positive results for some of his pass catchers, not named Travis Kelsey. Certainly Travis Kelsey will have his. How are you playing this Kansas City wide receiver core? Um, and probably not. Right. I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling at wide receiver 90 in a startup. Mm. Right. I mean, that that's interesting. This feels very much like one of those seasons where it, a bit uh, honestly, you go back to like Andy Reid kind of before Kansas City, like, and you look at kind of the heyday of of uh, McNabb's career had just a bunch of guys yeah. right? where Brian Westbrook was like their best receiving threat as a running back. Yeah. Uh, but never really had a true wide receiver one. There was like a TO season. Right. And then, then Tyree kill. Uh, but you know, when he got to Kansas city, yeah. but outside of that has really has, has consistently had awesome offenses without a traditional true wide receiver one. Let me ask you this I, then. Yeah. Uh, I'll ask it this way. Who do you think will be their wide receiver one? Like their, their highest scoring wide receiver this year. Um, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say Tony. So if you had, but, to, if you had to take, take Tony or all the other guys, in other words, you'd, not the just, other guys. you'd pick one of the other guys. In other words, one of the other guys. So Tony or not Tony, you'd say not Tony, right? Oh, not Tony. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> most likely yeah. Tony to be the wide receiver one, but most likely Tony won't be the wide receiver one. It'll be somebody else, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I agree. With that. And I mean, I, like you just look and I, I just pulled up their underdog ADP, for example. And I, I find in Dynasty using redraft ADP – is really helpful because it can kind of sort out your sort out your stuff. I mean, Tony's wide receiver thirty nine, ridiculous, right? Sky Moore is fifty four, Rashi Rice fifty, uh, excuse me, sixty five, sixty eight for Marcus Valdez Scantling, and then you it's a big drop off. Like I think that's very likely that we see three or four guys that have somewhere between I don't know six hundred and you know, 850 yards receiving, not named Kelsey on that team. Totally agree. Yeah. And like, you know, the best one is wide receiver 31 yeah, season or whatever, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like you don't, it's yeah, not, I don't not, even think they're going to have a, a wide receiver three on their team. I, I yeah. First of all, I think, and I've said this a bunch and, 
you know, I think, I think, um, I think Kadarius Tony is an absolute mirage. Um, you know, I, I, I have a hard time because he's such a good, like football player, but he's not a great mm-hmm. wide receiver. And so for that reason, like he, you know, the, the per route, uh, stats are very misleading. Uh, we've, we've, we've mentioned that on this show before David Gautieri just put out a good little quick tweet on it, basically saying that, you know, of his targets, so many were behind the line of scrimmage. He's very, you know, manufactured and you can't manufacture shit for someone full time. You can't do that. That's a part-time player. So the things he does are cool, but they're only sort of effective, um, you know, some of the time. So I, I tend to look past him a bit and say, okay, if not Tony, then who, right? And Sky Moore's there, Rasheed Rice is there. And then you're right, it goes to MVS. I like to skip MVS and go to Justin Ross because I think Justin Ross is a better player and has more upside than MVS. And if you told me, you know, someone not named Tony had 1,200 yards receiving uh, as a wide receiver for this team, I would fucking pick Justin Ross. I, I don't think he's going to, by the way. I don't think anybody is. I agree with your stance that it's going to be, you know, five guys between 300 and 600 yards or something, right? But I think if someone were to be like, oh, shit, this dude is fucking legit, it is Justin Ross because that's who he was at the beginning. I have no idea if he's going to make it all the way back. I have no idea if he's still the same player. I don't know any of these things. I just know what he was, you know, five years ago or whatever, whenever he was a freshman at Clemson. And so, you know, for that reason, he's the cheapest and I'd take him over, you know, MVS in a vacuum because I already know MVS and his ceiling. He has no ceiling. He doesn't have one because he's only a speed player and he's awful. He has terrible hands. He, he's not trusted. I guarantee you Patrick Mahomes doesn't trust MVS like in a big moment. He's thrown him the ball in big moments and he drops it or he bottles it maybe <laughs> and then catches it. But like it's just not uh, – he's not effective. He's very fast. So then I wonder if they're going to play a little bit different. I know, I know Rashi is not exactly a speeder, a speedster on the outside either. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but I think like you, I think they're going to have, you know, feel it out process with a number of different things. And then maybe by the end of the year, it sort of solidifies and maybe you're getting late in the year, some, some strong weekly finishes from a Rashi Rice, Sky Moore, Justin Ross type of player, one of those types of guys, but probably not a great season from any of them, if that makes any sense. It makes a ton of sense. And I think like you you watched last year in their playoff run, right? Three different playoff games, three different receivers lead them in re- receiving yards. Yeah. I don't think that's – they are built as a team that that's what their intent is. Yes. Right? That's what they intend to do. Uh, and I think that if you try and – again, don't coach your bets, right? Don't coach your, your, your guys. I think that's a, a really good caution there. Don't assume that what they're going to, you know, usage wise, what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, I, I will say in terms of like, you look at some of the the stats on Kadarius Tony, like if you squint, like you got to squint and kind of look, yeah, squint kind of hard. Yeah. But there's a, there's a Debo Samuel sure. aspect to yes. his, right? Like that's the success story for Kadarius Tony would be Debo Samuel. Totally. Right? You look at Debo Samuel in 2020 had an a dot of 2.2 and had 2.26 yards per route run. Right. Which is just a stupid, right. No one did that this past year. Right. It's it's an almost impossible feat. Yeah. It's an anomaly. Um, You look, yeah, you look, um, you look and and Tony, right. He had uh, a 3.6 a dot last year, 
206 excuse me 206 is is yards per route run a career 212 yards per route run guy again only 279 career routes but that's the that's the story you kind of have to sell yourself like that's yeah. that's what it would have to look like but again i think Debo, the the thing that people get uh, a little bit um not confused by but but i think there was a real receiving jump for yes. uh, for debo in the yes. year that he he his not last year but the year before so 2021 yeah there was a real legitimate receiving jump yeah. And then at the end of the season, he they also used him as a runner. But at the first <laughs> half of that season, he was a dominant wide receiver. Yeah. Um. Like, do you see? Like, that's an anomaly as a as a, uh, you know, I, I, yeah. I wouldn't. That's the that's the way Kadarius Tony would have to look. I yes. don't think that it's going to be super. I don't think it's super likely. I don't think it's super like likely that. either. But I appreciate yeah. what you're saying, which is exactly right. Like, he needs to be utilized in a different way. He's not just a. He's you know a lot of people look at him on a per route run basis and they're like, yeah, dude, fucking put him out there. He's Olave Jefferson Lamb. He's someone. He's a guy. Put him out there. Let's you know just extrapolate the effectiveness of of of, of minimal plays and 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 give him full season. He's going to be a stud. And I, that's where I you lose me. If you start saying, hey, look, he has to play like that, and in that offense, it's possible. I mean, they they put so much stress and strain on the on the defense with the way they play. You know, that's obviously what Tyreek did too. He's like, you know, they literally had to change <laughs> defenses. Literally changed the way they played because it was like, well, we can't do this anymore because otherwise Mahomes will just throw it all the way down the field to Tyreek every single time, and we you know, we have to put two deeps every time. So they play two deep against them all the time. Well, all of a sudden the underneath is open. You know, so there's he's always pressing that defense and putting pressure on the defense. That is Mahomes. And so, yeah, if you have a, a unique uh, player like Tony, he's going to you know, see some space with Mahomes on the field. And, you know, it kind of leads me back to McKinnon a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not ready to just jump all over McKinnon because he's such a part-time player for so long. And he did have also touchdown upside, but look in a PPR format, McKinnon, I think, is still undervalued because at some point or another, I think he's just going to be that that trusted, you know, um, you know, two minute, you know, player, and he's just going to see three, four, five targets almost every single game, unless it's a you know blowout on the offense and they're just you know sort of feeding uh, Pacheco or whatever. You know what I mean? Like most games, game scripts are going to have McKinnon be involved here and there throughout the game, and all he needs is a couple of targets on a couple of drives, and he basically pays off. You know. Yeah, and and this is like they'll have. Yeah, this is what's like Kelsey will have twelve hundred yards. Yep, right. They're running backs, right? It'll be it'll be McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Pacheco minimally, but they'll have I don't know seven eight hundred yards, right? Their backup tight ends will kick in another six hundred, right? Their receivers, you know, between four or five six of them will have you know twenty five hundred, and Mahomes has thrown for five thousand yards, right? Like, but yeah. no one outside of Kelsey has done anything where on a week to week basis you're going to feel great about putting them in your line. Like, it, it is going to be a Kelsey. Uh, Mahomes offense and you know that's kind of where that's kind of where you, you you find yourself yeah the Kansas City Chiefs running backs I've said this before on a podcast that Kansas City Chiefs running backs last year scored 22 touchdowns as a group that's crazy 22 touchdowns from Kansas City Chiefs running backs so you know whether that's Pacheco this year getting you know there's just so much running back touchdown upside when you play with Patrick Mahomes, it's absolutely insane. So for those reasons, you know, it could it could be that some of that value goes to Pacheco or McKinnon 
or dare I say Clyde Edwards Hilaire. God bless him. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Uh, I, this is a spot where I think maybe we'll find the boxing gloves. I'm not sure. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence. We had actually a pretty spirited conversation about Trevor Lawrence before he came out. I think it was two years ago we had our Trevor Lawrence talk. And you had a pretty good take up until it wasn't a good take this last year. But I think it was the right take early is that we just don't know and it's uncertainty and he's not as good a prospect. And I, I don't mean to go backwards because I'd rather start forward, but I thought we had a pretty good conversation about Trevor Lawrence uh, once upon a time. And I'd like to try it again. And I'll ask you this way. Um, which, which question should I ask first? I'll ask this way. How many quarterbacks would you want ahead of Trevor Lawrence in dynasty as of today? So it's funny that, that conversation, yeah, pre-draft Trevor Lawrence. Yep. You know who my quarterback one in that class was, don't you? Um, hold on. Um, no, who? Justin oh, Fields. Was it Fields? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to There's go Justin back. I was Fields. like, wait. So, Fields, and my yeah. argument for Fields over Lawrence. If you look at Lawrence's career in Clemson, yeah, there's a couple of things that are very true. He started off very good. He didn't get better. Really? Like, again, he was still very good, but he came in very good. He didn't get any better than very good at really anything. Okay. But he was very, I would say he was good to very good, basically crossed all uh, all, the whole landscape. Fields had a very elite things that he did, but concerns, right? So I kind of said, like, I see a bigger ceiling for Fields, whereas I think. But the things that Fields does poorly, and this is actually, I've come to sort of re, uh, I've come to understand Fields better just because I went back and I kind of applied stuff that I've learned since then to Fields, and it would have probably led me in a different direction pre-draft. Um, so for all of those reasons, like I had, I said, I think that the upside swing on Fields as a passer is 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 um, the like I like that profile better. Sure. And then Fields went eleven, and Lawrence went one. And I said, okay, you have to take Lawrence one, right? Right. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You can't do. You don't be stupid, right? right. Is basically is kind of my um, my number one. Yeah, I think that's right. Fair what's too. the what's the Deutsch gone, route if line? If they'd have like, gone I one think, two, if they'd have gone one two, you could more easily make a case for Fields as quarterback one. I agree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. The the Dwight Schrute line of, you know, when I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if <laughs> an idiot would do that, I don't do that. Yeah. yeah like that was that was the, the fields thing of like don't yeah. don't take him over Trevor Lawrence. Like that's a that's yeah. a bad thing to do. Um right. so I I come into the like that's kind of my informed background on on Lawrence. I don't think again, he was bad as a rookie. I think you can b- place blame on that squarely with uh you know uh his coach and and it was a bad situation yes he got better last year i don't think he's elite um i still think that there's there was games where you know well so here's here's the question is he is he is he not elite because i think he's abso-fucking-lutely elite in nfl eyes but i don't know that he's necessarily an elite fantasy producer yet but i do think he's an elite like Here's I've said this, there the NFL just resets and there's a there's a NFL restart draft. No team, no player is on any team. Mahomes goes first. You know, whoever gets the first pick, they're like Mahomes. 
with ever whoever has has a second pick has to consider Trevor Lawrence, Burrow, maybe Herbert. Those are the three players I'd consider. I don't re, Lamar, no Hurts, Josh Allen, no. I want one of those three guys. I want Burrow. It's probably Burrow, but I think Lawrence is in the conversation for second overall pick in a restarted NFL uh, draft. Are you restarting them with the contracts they have right now or from a blank slate? I think you got to say blank slate because contracts are interesting. Then um, Allen, I mean, you, you, there's no argument over Allen at two, in my opinion. Yeah, for um, me, there is. I would take Trevor Lawrence over Josh Allen. As from an NFL perspective? Yes. I mean, just the, the stats on Allen, I mean, from a – I mean, it's not a close call last year in terms of like – I know people want to put Burrow over him. Like the difference between Allen and Burrow is – is really big in terms of what they've done in the NFL. And, and I think what's also important in that Burrow's going to get into a spot where, and I'm, I swear we're going to come back to Lawrence in a second, Burrow's yes. going to get to a spot where he's going to have what happened to Josh Allen. Um, what happened to Dak Prescott, right? What happens to these other guys is when you get paid, you start to lose stuff around you. Yes. Now, if they want to try and keep Jamar Chase and T Higgins around, I would be very interested in paying those guys and very interested to see how that turns out because I have pretty serious questions with the way that Burrow plays and his willingness to sort of stand in there and he takes a ton of sacks that are his own fault. I think you're actually what you're doing is you're only um, you're only emphasizing right you're only encouraging your quarterback to behave in the way and it, it you're only encouraging his bad behavior. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and I think that you got to be careful about doing that with Burrow because he's shown a proclivity to want to stand in and take too many sacks. That true. you know his pressure to sack rate is way too high. Right. Yep. He, he, all of those things. And for all of those reasons, all by the, the way, not Mahomes, rate, not Mahomes. <laughs> Mahomes has like the best pressure to sack rate, doesn't he? I mean, I'm not. I'm him not and Allen. That, yeah, it's, it's him and Allen and Herbert. Herbert's there too. Yeah. And I just think like when you look at that, like the the cumulative effect of Burrow taking all those sacks that are on him, you know, and, and, um, that, you know, he takes you know, 25% of his, of his, uh, sacks, right. And that 20 to 25%, uh, of his pressures become sacks, right. That's a yeah. quarterback stat. It correlates year over year, right. That is, that is something that quarterbacks do. It's not really impacted by the, it's also the line. field's concern big time. It's the field's concern, right. And, and fields has lost drop back, which is even, you know, he's, his scrambles yeah. plus his sacks is just, it's, it's a, it's devastating. It's for a his big problem. Threat. And if it doesn't fix this year, you, you, I would just keep an eye on that. Don't look at anything yeah. else. Just see if that starts to trend in the right direction. Cause if it does, yeah. he's got a chance. If it doesn't, he's going to be out of the league. I mean, it's going to be, it's know. a hard and, and he was that guy at Ohio state. Too, I know by it. The way. Yeah, he was that guy. And yeah. I didn't appreciate the significance of that until like Me this neither. summer. Yeah, right. And so that's, but that's one thing that I'll go back. That's like the only thing that really correlates from, from college to the pros yeah it's that stat and it's like okay like i know exactly who you are from that stat basically will levis was bad anthony richardson was great so anthony richardson is like very interesting it's funny to me because you look at the the narratives on anthony richardson i think are completely wrong yeah he is not this scramble this bailout you know he's gonna run he he is mahomes level 
in terms of avoiding sacks. Yes. And that's of all the things that Mahomes does. And Allen is like right there sort of with him in this. Yes. Their superpower is, is that they don't take sacks. Yeah. And the effect of that is, is it gives your right. The stats on drives that have sacks versus the ones that don't have sacks. Like you're substantially it's more likely to score. Yes. It's exactly. It, it, yes. It's it's, it looks like it's a glitch. Yes. It looks like it is a glitch. That's right. And, and so like, I actually think Anthony Richardson sends a really good chance because like he's not going to shoot himself in the foot, right? Now everyone has these narratives and everyone has, you know, he, I still think in, we shouldn't be in this space, but I still think that people have the black quarterback narratives about some of these guys, no right? Doubt. And that's why, that's how, why they describe uh, Richardson in certain ways where I don't think it's actually applicable, right? right? You could, you could, you could say that, you know, to, to question his pocket presence is just, I think, is is just a, a horrendous take, yeah. Because it is there's no there's no factual base. Now you could say, hey, he doesn't deliver the ball accurately from the pocket. That's a totally different statement. But yes. um, you know, so I just I think that some of those things. So all of that said, like I think Allen and and Mahomes, like what they do in terms of just avoiding pressure, it has such a massive impact on their offenses. I love I love Josh Allen. NBA. So you yeah. know the the reason I probably didn't put him in there was. You probably have to put him in there, of course. Uh, but I guess um, so. So the real question is, how far down on both lists do you feel Trevor Lawrence is? And the, the, look, I know Trevor Lawrence. If you look back at last year and you just take the full season and and use that data, it wasn't as good as as you would like it to be for Trevor Lawrence. However, if you take it and split it in half, first half, second half. The second half is like amazing. He was amazing in the second half. And I think some of that is like, you know, he was still trying to get uh, Urban Meyer's thumb out of his ass. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, that dude yeah. just jams it in and it's hard to get it out of there. You know, and I've seen video proof. And so to get <laughs> Urban Meyer the stink off of his entire essence was it took some time. I mean, this is a kid who literally I was afraid that it was going to be, you know, a Sam Darnold situation. I didn't think he was a Sam Darnold prospect, but you know, Sam Darnold just kind of got ruined. And I don't know. There, there's still people who believe in Sam Darnold because it's like, you, you know, he has some of these traits, and like, you know, multiple teams have bet on him because it's like we've seen some good things, but he was just destroyed by coaching and and um, you know, bad infrastructure. Well, obviously, Jacksonville is not exactly the strongest infrastructure in the NFL, and they brought in. The stone worst coach I think I've ever seen in my life in the at the NFL level. Oh, that's that's there's some bad ones going back, but one of. And but they but the the glaring thing there was they put him with this, you know, John Elway, Andrew Luck level prospect, but you and I could disagree as to whether or not he was that or not. I, I kind of feel what you're saying as a prospect. I just felt like when I saw him as a prospect, my take early on was I think he's a can't miss good NFL quarterback. Like if you just tell me he's going to be, you know, in the middle, like, you know, Derek Carr or better, you know, Kirk Cousins type of thing where he's just going to be good. I felt like that was a very, very sure bet. And then what we saw last year was that it may have a much higher ceiling, dragging that team to the playoffs, you know, winning a playoff game in spectacular fashion, both his bad and his good were on display there. But I think the good outweighs the bad because a lot of guys go in their shell and that's that. Um, you know, he won that playoff game. Then he stood up tall in this next game. And I just, I think he's great. I think he's got great escapability. 
He uses his legs well. And I just think he's now, he's only two years in. I mean, remember after two years, Josh Allen, we were wondering if he was even going to make it in this league. A lot of these quarterbacks, Peyton Manning's no different. He threw like 20, 20 interceptions his, his year one. Mahomes didn't even play in year one. So some of these quarterbacks, it takes a minute. And I think that's where we're at with, with Trevor Lawrence. I expect to turn around. He does add another weapon, um, you know, on, on offense with Calvin Ridley. I think that's, that's great. Um, the running game is bolstered with a nice backup running back, so they're not worried about if, if ETN gets hurt. I think they've got a solid uh, run game. The defense is strong. The coaching is there. I just think the infrastructure is starting to congeal around him. And I feel very, very solid that he's going to be you know, top 12. He's going to be a QB1 in fantasy going forward. Yeah, and I mean, the guys, it's hard. Right? There's a drop yeah. after him, right? Like me, that, yeah. And that's the thing. Like yeah. You look – you just look last year, like they ranked sixth in uh, EPA uh, drop, per drop back, yeah. right? They ranked top five in success rate. Uh, so those are good things, right? Yeah. The second half of the season, they ranked, yeah, he was third in success uh, there you uh, go. per drop back, fourth in, in uh, EPA. You know, last year, he's basically a top five guy in PFF grade. Like all the sort of metrics that go beyond just his stats, we're, we're very good down the stretch. Yes. My question with him is um, is a couple of things. Um, one, I still wonder if he has the elite stuff, right? You still go back and you look, you know, it's there's a big difference. Like his non-play action stuff, right, is is very middling, right? His his uh, it's very scheme based in terms of all the short stuff. That's quick game. Like he still does a lot of the things that, to Doug Peterson's credit. He did really well at Clemson, and Doug Peterson puts him in those positions to succeed. I wonder if the ceiling on that is a top five guy, right? That's the thing. And so, like, a couple of things where I'm going to look for this year, how does he do do a non-play action, right? And in particular that, right? And then some of the other stuff that's not quick game stuff, right? Does he take a step in those ranges? I think that's that's a big – to determine whether or not – you know, whether he's in the Allen, uh, Mahomes, Burrow conversation, which I don't think he's in yet, or whether he's he's a a tier down, right? Is he closer to being – you know, 10 than one, right? Is he closer to being 12 than one, right? Like sort of where does he – is he a – is he a top quarter of the league? starter is he the second quarter of the league start right those i think are the questions right those yeah. are the questions that you will need to be answered to tell me what that is so i agree that's yeah. where my question lies yeah. and so with all and this is i think an interesting dynasty point with all of those sort of questions about him he's priced as basically quarterback seven quarterback eight in that range i, I don't know like if he let's just assume that he's a top five guy next year, I st- I don't know if he actually gets better in terms of price, right? That's the that's the thing that with him I think is interesting because you go and you look at you look at where he is right now. He's behind Mahomes, he's behind Allen, he's behind Hertz, he's behind Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Herbert, right? right. And then he's at seven according to Fantasy Calc. Yep. Behind him are guys like Fields, Richardson, uh, who I don't expect either of those two to jump him. And then you have guys like Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, and Dak Prescott, who I don't expect them, but you could make, I think, a little bit better of an argument that maybe one or two of those guys could jump could. up uh, uh-huh. into where Lawrence is. Yep. Um, I have a hard time seeing Lawrence go up, right? Like, and I, because I think the guys ahead of him, realistically, I think career season for Herbert and career season for Lamar Jackson as a passer, and right? I'm not sure he gets back to MVP level of production 
you know, I'm not going to expect that from him, but um, I think as a passer, right. Those two guys could have career years. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how Lawrence jumps them. So what yeah. we leave ourselves with is he's at quarterback seven. He's a mid first round startup pick. It's pretty much the ceiling about, in a lot of ways. But of course, everybody yeah, in that first yeah. first round is at their ceiling. I totally agree with you, by the way. But I, but I don't. But I wonder if there's if he becomes if he doesn't take the step forward in the places that I'm a little bit concerned about some of his usage stuff. If he becomes looking what I think people perceive Dak Prescott to be. Yeah. Does he slide off around, right? Does he start does he start getting back into like the mid second? And right, that's that's I think a, a spot that uh, you know, if he goes in next year produces, you know, if he's quarterback nine, what's that do to him? You know, I I like it probably shouldn't move him all that much, but I think perception might change on him. And I I, I wonder about that. So again, I think he's good. Like I think he's gonna be on the NFL. Like I think he's a long-term starting quarterback in the NFL. I yeah. just wonder what his overall ceiling is. Yeah, that's fair. I, you know, he last year, right? So he's been, you know, four and a half to five yards a carry as well for his career. But like people, last, people don't don't appreciate how good of a runner he is, he, dude. He's, right? he's I think, so athletic. I think that's 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 very true. He's six true. six, like two twenty two thirty. Like I, he's got a long lasting body. You know, it's not like one of these guys are like, eh, injuries could get. I mean, look, injuries could get anybody, but. He's sort of more Josh Allen in that way. Like, you know, that's one thing about Josh Allen. You're like, dude, if he got hurt, you'd be like, what happened, dude? You know what I mean? (laughs) What? How? How did he fall off a building? Like, what happened to Josh Allen? Um, But, you know, what he did last year is he, you know, he cut his interception percentage in half, you know, from 2.8 to 1.4. 1.4 is pretty much elite. He doubled, more than doubled his touchdown percentage from 2 to 4.3%. I would like to think that that's going to take another step forward. He 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 ran for touchdowns. His yards per attempt went up. His completion percentage went went from fifty nine to sixty six in just that one year. Um, you know, I just think everything was wrong with the team. His sacks went down, so his sack percentage went down. So like everything was way better. And not only was it way better from twenty one to twenty two, it was better from early twenty two to early tw- uh, to late twenty two which is showing me that he's growing and he's probably the way he was playing, you know, in the second half of the season, you know, it was interesting because I listened to some smart people who watch, you know, the, the actual games with a more discerning eye than, than I sort of can. And, you know, they were just like ready to start saying how great he was going to be, whether it was Warren Sharp or, you know, Dwayne McFarland, people that are like, all right, listen here, he's coming. Um, oh, um, you know who else was um, who's the, uh, Josh Norris? Mm-hmm. He was saying, "Dude, this is this is Trevor Lawrence time." Like, and I was like, "Is it?" And I started to look a little deeper. This was mid season last year, and even in a couple losses, like he played well, and it, it was just it, he was starting to show elite traits on the football field, making elite throws that only the very very elite quarterbacks can make. And then his sort of stats started to follow that. And and that's why I'm I'm so high on Trevor Lawrence and and you're right that like you know when we look at it are there other ranges of outcomes that are possible from of course but we saw that with Deshaun Watson I mean I remember thinking when he comes back he's going to light it up and then he kind of didn't so you know we never exactly know but um, mm-hmm. I yeah if I'm making a bet I just feel like I'm betting on Trevor Lawrence the the person the player and the, his mm-hmm. total long term future is just not in doubt I guess that's what I'm saying when I see the way he plays if that makes sense. Yeah, and actually, like I think he's kind of 
uh, appropriately priced. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's, it's just cause like, I wouldn't take, like I would take him behind all the guys in front of him. And like, I think he actually fits very naturally where he is. Agreed. Right? I don't think there's an argument about, about putting guys, you know, behind him, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, his combination, right. I think Watson's best is probably better than Lawrence's, but do you want to make that bet given you haven't seen him play well in two years? Right. Like, right. you know, I think, I think his ceiling is higher than Lawrence's, but yeah. you know, that would sort of be the, the, you know, the, the quibble there. And again, I think like uh, Kyler versus him is like, an, that's an interesting sort of, what do you value perspective? But so I think he's appropriately priced. I don't think he's overpriced or underpriced. I just sort of, I, what I'm concerned is that people are going to price in a, a huge breakout. By the way, if you want to say that, like people will say that Ju- Justin Fields looks like a Jalen hurts, Josh Allen year three breakout type deal. It's not Justin Fields. It's Trevor Lawrence, yeah. right? All the ways, if you look at their stats, their similarities, they, they're, Time to throw came down. Their adjusted yes. completion percentage went up. Their PFF grades got better, right? And then they took the big jump in year three. Are right? you sure That's it's not very, Trey Lance? I'm very <laughs> sure it's not Trey Lance. <laughs> so, so we'll end with some comedy. I mean, uh, more fantasy uh, content. What's the most likely outcome for Trey Lance going forward? What do you think? What what is what is, when you see what's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen with Trey Lance? I don't see a natural place for him to be a week one starter someplace. Right? Me I mean, that was San Francisco this year. Um, and I think, I think they want to start Brock Purdy. Yes. And you ever work with someone like I just, I, I think about dynasty. I think about you read and listen to what the NFL people will say. Like you don't get press conferences from normal employers, but you right. think about what normal employers say, yes. what you say about your coworkers, what you say, what, no, what bosses say about their people. Yes. Right. And it's like you can tell when people are souring on a coworker. Yes. You can just tell, like, you know, like, you know, and they might not come on and say, this guy just sucks. Be like, well, right. you know, what do you think? I'd be like, well, we've got know, this we got other guy. Stuff we need to work on. Yeah. I'd be like, well, but have you seen Joe? Like, he's great. You yeah. know, like, you just don't, you don't. So you just sort of perceive that. And because I've had those conversations, you know, people, what do you think about so and so? And you take a deep breath and you pause, and that kind of says all you need to know about what they are as a coworker. Yes. Um, that feels very much like what's going on with Trey Lance. Again, that might not even be his fault, right? right? I think Shanahan's finicky, right? Like that might not even be his fault. And again, another guy that the expectations for him were probably unreasonable. They were. Right? I think that I think it's unreasonable. So I just I, I I think San Francisco wants to start Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy's trending towards ready, right? And. Uh, then it becomes of like, okay, well, what happens, right? Does a team like Washington want to take a shot? Does a team like Atlanta want to take a shot? Does a team like Minnesota, who's got, you know, Kirk Cousins there on the last year of his deal, do they want to take a reclamation shot? I, I posted on Twitter recently. I said I think there's a better chance that Kirk Cousins is a starter uh, in San Francisco next year than than Trey Lance is, and I don't even think that. Like, I think. I don't even think the, the chances of Kirk Cousins being the starter there are super high. I just think <laughs> right. that the chances of Trey Lance. <laughs> yeah, you could have picked any well. quarterback. I was just like, yeah, well, I'll just pick yeah, 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 right. yeah. Ooh, any ooh, any yeah. free agent. Yeah. yeah, any guy that was uh, trending that way, right? Uh, so yeah, I just I I have questions about that, and I just yeah, you know, again, I think a lot of the stuff hasn't necessarily he hasn't gotten the best opportunity. He hasn't gotten the best. Um, he hasn't gotten a clean opportunity that's really it hasn't gone well for him. Right. But I don't know in this NFL, right? Like you, 
Baker Mayfield went number one overall and people are writing him off, right? right. He's basically a dead man walking in yep. Tampa Bay, which could be a good situation actually with some decent weapons there. Like, yes. like, you know, and people are essentially writing him off. Like, I don't know with 420 attempts, uh, you know, since, since he's graduated high school, I just don't know who's going to hand him a week one starting job. Yeah. I, I it's, don't see it's, it. It's, uh, it's concern. It's it's uh, it's a bit sad, honestly, sad. like that it's yep. kind of turned out this way for him. But yep. uh, it's not clear to me. And again, I, he was like a top twelve quarterback like six months ago in terms of dynasty. I was like, that's the easiest fade of all time, yeah, dude. I was shouting. I was shouting, and people yes. are like, "Why do you hate Lance?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't hate him. He's not played. Like, how do you right. know he's good? Why are you going to spend such an an elite?" you know, uh, asset on a player that we don't know if he's any good at NFL football. Like there's literally no data points that say he is or is not. I'm not saying that he isn't. I'm saying that it's, we don't know. And as time went on, every data point that we had, whether it was coach speak, whether it was how much he played, whether it was how he played. And then people would be like the monsoon. It's like, I, I, okay. So the monsoon is why he's good. You know, when you defend the guy by saying he played in a monsoon, that doesn't mean he's good. It just means that he played bad in the monsoon. That's all we're saying. Like, you know, everybody's like, oh, put, put, put Mahomes in that monsoon. It's like, dude, that doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. What you're saying is that he is good. I'm saying I don't know. And you're saying that I hate him. It's like you. it's so hard to get people to, to see both sides. Like, yes, I see that he's it's possible he's good. But then you hear the like you said, the coach speak was just so overwhelming. And and now I wonder. Like he's going to get traded for like a fifth round pick. You know what I mean? It's going to, yeah. he's, you're right. It's probably going to be like Minnesota backup, you know, Raiders backup to Jimmy G, which I think would be fucking delicious. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, just reunited Bay Area, just, oh, just absolute pure. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be like a situation like that where, you know, a team's got like, you know, questionable options going forward and could take a take a swing, especially because their team may not be that good. It's like possibly it's good, possibly it isn't. And once it goes bad, maybe we could throw this kid in, see what he looks like last five, five, six, seven games. You know, that type of team would behoove both parties. It would give Lance his chance and it would give them a look at him and hopefully retain his rights. But those are the only types of situations that I can see where he could – find his way onto the field. Cause you're right. They want Brock Purdy. They've said it. I, I joked about it last week, uh, Jordan. I was like, you know, once uh, Brock Purdy got hurt, like if you think about it, you know, as soon as he tears his elbow, they were like, all right, there's two uh, surgeries that he can have. One is the quick one and he might be ready for week one. The other one is like full Tommy John and he's probably going to miss the entire year. And uh, that's, that's the reality. Right. And they were like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, he's the starter. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. like, like that was crazy. Like the the, yes. the the idea should have been, well, this is going to be Trey Lance's time. We'll make sure as soon as Purdy's better, he's going to compete for the job. But this is our opportunity to get Trey Lance ready to go for next year. Yada yada yada. That is not what they said at all, and that spoke volumes to me. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. And again, I think you can learn a lot from just listening to how people talk about, and they won't even tell you game plan, none of that. But just the yeah perception and tone especially about quarterback right yes. especially about quarterback it tells you a lot about 
uh, about where the guy is. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I think that that's true with Lance, unfortunately. Unfortunately, pour one all the way out for Mr. Trey Lance and pour one out for this episode. I know you got to get rolling. You've got all sorts of stuff going on. That was a great show. You're fantastic. Thanks for coming on. This was relatively easy going, man. I mean, I should have just mentioned CD Lamb again and we could have gotten it going, but I, you know, maybe next time. It's funny because CD Lamb and, and Lawrence, like I was kind of making the comp in my head the, earlier this week, kind of talking about how like they're kind of both priced towards like what I think their ceiling might be. Of course. So like that's, that's a, you know, that, that I don't like to price things at their ceiling when they haven't really gotten to what I think that their ceiling is yet when we haven't seen their ceiling outcome yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, and so, but, but Justin but, Jefferson's but I don't think there's ceiling, a, right. You know, it's like, but he's produced at it. That's the thing. Like, oh, you don't, I don't like yeah, to price people at their ceiling yeah. that they haven't broken out. Yep, to yep, yet. Yep. And so that's the thing with like, that was really the CD lamb thing. And I yep. think that, but the problem with it from the Trevor Lawrence perspective is, is like, you have to kind of pick somebody else. Yes. Right. And I think that there's everyone else has warts, Yes, you know, and I could make a Dak Prescott or you make like a, you know, a Watson or you could make those arguments, but I yep. do like none of them are clean. So I don't really have a problem with where he is, even though it doesn't give me like a warm and cozy. For the I, uh, I just did a fairly mid to high stakes startup, uh, uh, startup this, this year. And I, I got uh, Lawrence at the seven and traded up a few spots in the second round to get Dak. So I, Lawrence yeah. and Dak and it's really you know, high floor. Yeah. Really I mean, exactly floor, yeah. two high floor players and it's a deep roster. It's also like six point pass, uh, touchdown. Um, th- what is it? It's a pretty big, uh, pick six penalty. It's mm-hmm. also, um, like, uh, completion percentage is factored in. So it's like 0.2 and minus okay. 0.3 or whatever, you know, so like, it's actually like some, some skin in the game for completion percentage. So both those players sort of, you know, play well to those. Um, t- it mitigates the rushing quarterbacks just slightly, although there is a, a, qu- a quarter or half point, 0.4, I think for rushing first down, you know? So like, it's kind of cool, actually. It's it yeah. definitely just sort of rewards all the big plays that you might make. And um, anyway, so, yeah, I'm I'm kind of here for uh, for Dak again. I, I you know I think he's really good, and I think the Dak Lamb stack, whether it be in redraft or however you go, I think it's going to be a, a very fruitful one this year. Um, but your boy Brandon Cooks is there, and and now he gets to join in on the on the awesome passing game. Although it sounds like they want to turn back the clocks in Dallas. That's and just, it's that's the biggest fake story of the offseason, though. Totally, right? like there's no way that that's true, right? Because <laughs> You actually look at Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. They threw it like five, six, seven, eight percent over expectation every year. And then you look at the Kellen Moore, and he was two percent under expectation. And yeah. what do they do instead of instead of keeping Zeke? They decide to get rid of Zeke, and uh, they cut Zeke and make Pollard their guy, who doesn't fit as being like this run first centric off. It, the only way I think that that's true is if they have a handshake deal with with Zeke that says, Hey, you know, August 15th, we're going to sign you and you're going to come back. Right. But we'll give you basically the first half of training camp off or whatever. Right. That's the only way that I believe that that's actually what's going to happen. I I do think he comes back. I've been saying this all along. He's like, it's like a, it's like a, you know, ex-girlfriend type of thing, you know, and, and, and Zeke, Zeke was the, you know, the, he was lazy. He wasn't, you know, doing the dishes and, Mm -hmm. you know, it just wasn't, you know, he was, she was making all the money, but he was spending it all. And like, he's like, look, I'm sorry, I'll do the dishes. And totally, I appreciate who you are. And 
I'll take less money. The whole thing. He's just going to come yeah. back and be like, this was, you were right. This was the best situation for me. You were right all along. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be that. And, and, and he's like best friends with Dak. You know, Jerry loves him. There's just too many like, you know, narrative based stuff where he's, he's got to go back there. It's got to happen. Yeah, that's the only way I actually buy that they're going to be this run centric team because they've all, oh. they've invested everything in being a pass centric team. <laughs> imagine well, that, like, right? I mean, like that though. Imagine Nick that, Jordan. Pollard. They just bring him back and they just feed fucking Zeke oh. like fifteen carries a game at like forty yeah. yards. Oh, woof! Oh. oh my god! Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here for it. All right, buddy. Tell everybody where they can find you and uh, and and let's let's sign this thing off, baby. All right, you can find me at McNamara Dynasty on Twitter. Uh, Got all the stuff up there, as well as some fun videos that I think are. Uh, I've been I've been on a been on a roll with some videos recently. Um, you can go find all of uh, AOD work at analyticsdynasty.com. Do a daily podcast there for subscribers. Have a, a subscriber group me chat. You can join uh, the Dynasty Team Building Guide. It'll give you all kind of your your top to bottom Dynasty strategy. Uh, and then uh, you can also go over to uh, Di- at Dynasty Think Tank, which is our uh, project chat. Parsons and I are working on it. It's our new podcast. Uh, you can go f- nice. give that a listen as well. Um, and we've got a weekly content there with some Patreon stuff as well behind uh, to give you some, all the content, all the dynasty content you can need. Yeah. Uh, I always ha- I enjoy having you on. There's only a few of us dynasty game theory heads out here. And you're certainly one of them, man. You know, analytics at dynasty is just another way of saying in dynasty game theory. We're in the same streets. I appreciate you. Um, it was a great show. We agreed a little bit too much. I mean, I really I think we took the high road too much. I was, Where are, you, are you, are you positive or negative on Justin Fields? Uh, I am scared as hell, but hopeful. All right. What about George Pickens? I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I mean, all right. All right. Lo- so yeah, we don't have so, anything to argue about. <laughs> so George Pickens is one of my favorite players. Like the whole thing he did with the fucking ski mask, watching the, uh, the draft and shit. Like I felt so alive what he was doing like this is my guy so i love him there's players i like you know fuck i like Pitts and uh drake london drake london dude how about drake london i know you're a drake london guy right he's awesome but you cannot be excited for him in 20 yeah okay all right see this is it you can love drake london still getting old man we're getting old getting old let's just start saying stupid shit like they do on espn (laughs) so we can get on tv you know after this yeah right all right well you got it buddy let's sign this one off on behalf of everybody here at the undroppables on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted on behalf of the greatest podcast producer to ever walk the land and by the way his philadelphia eagles will be playing my new england patriots in week one r.i.p eagles you have been joined by the great jordan mcnamara i am jacks falcone and we are out. <laughs>